Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Let me remind you tonight, the after party, the way this came up when our leaders met a couple of meetings that we've had in the last few months where our our leadership come together, discuss things, you know, in the church. Uh, We we talked about the need of... uh, increasing fellowship, that there, sh- there needed to be more interaction between people in the church. It seems like uh, everyone has their, uh, their group of people that they fellowship with, and uh, sometimes they just fellowship with their family and hardly with no one else. And others, you know, have a, have a, a group that they're comfortable with and they feel like they have uh, things in common with and they fellowship with them. But uh, our fellowship ought, ought to be more widespread in the church. It shouldn't just be dictated by, by age or other demographics. The main demographic is that we're in this body. Amen. That we're called into this body, that we're members of one another. And so we discussed these things. And so we've uh, undertaken a few things, made some changes in, in a couple of things. And, uh, and one thing we, we've uh, decided is to increase these church-wide fellowships. In the past and up until uh, this week, we've had uh, three church-wide fellowships every year. We have a spring fellowship, we have a fall fellowship, and then we have a Christmas dinner. And uh, we wanted to increase that. So we're adding two or three to that this year, but we don't want to take away from Sunday nights. Those other three uh, church-wide fellowships, we dismiss the Sunday night service. Well, the Sunday night services are just too important. And, but, but fellowship is important. It says in Acts chapter 2 that the, that the disciples continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayer. And really, that was the life of the church. Doctrine or teaching, ministry, fellowship, breaking of bread together, and prayer. Well, two of those things uh, we ought to be doing just like we do the other two. Amen. There ought to be fellowship and breaking to get a bread together. And so that's what the early church did, and, and it's, uh, it's according to God's plan. And so we're planning more of these. And one way to do it without uh, uh, eliminating another Sunday night service is just have it after church Sunday night. So that's what we plan. We call it after party. It's just a, an after church fellowship this Sunday night. Well, there'll be others during the year. But um, just to go over to the fellowship, we don't want it to be a lot of work. That's why we told people just bring finger food and Angela's stressing, you know, just finger food. In other words, not things that you have to warm up or cook or there's a big mess. We want to make it real easy. You can come before church. Fellowship uh, youth room will be open. You can put, you know, anything in there that needs to be refrigerated. Come on into church. After church, it'll be real easy to, to set up. And we can just fellowship with one another church-wide. Amen. And this is a time to seek out somebody that maybe you don't ordinary, ordinarily fellowship with. Just find a, a place and, and sit next to somebody you don't normally sit next to and just learn a little bit about them. Amen. Talk and, and, uh, and fellowship and uh, enjoy the blessing of God together. It'll help bring us together even more as a church. Amen. And, and that's important. But it'll only be effective to the extent that we participate. Amen. So I encourage you to be here tonight for this. It is biblical. It's scriptural. It has a, has a purpose. 
And uh, I just uh, thank God for you coming out. Amen. Glory to God. As we get ready to go to, uh, to our minister, our message this morning, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your blessing in our lives. We thank you, Father, for all that you've done for us. Glory to God and redemption. We thank you, Father, how you've set us free, filled us with your spirit, filled us with your word, uh, revealed your plan, your will for our lives, given us what we need, Father, for, for direction and for wisdom. We thank you for it, Father. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, we're grateful today, Father. And while we're praying, Lord, we're, we're mindful to give thanks again. For all of our military, people who have served over the years in times past, we know this is Memorial Day weekend. It's a time when we remember the sacrifice that others have made. Some have given the ultimate sacrifice, given their lives. Others have, have, have uh, given uh, almost their entire lives. And, and people have suffered tremendously, men and women, that we could have the freedom that we have. And we're grateful for that, Father. And we, we thank you for all of them. We give you thanks. And we pray, Father, for their families and for their memories, Lord. Glory to God. We also pray for all of the military today, all who are serving uh, us and defending us around the world and right here at home, Father, that your hand would be upon them, that your protection would be given to them, Father. We also pray for all of our law enforcement all over the country, Father, that your hand of protection would be given unto them, Father, that they would walk in, in with their heads high, Father, knowing that the people of this nation believe in them and we honor them and we uphold them, Father, and we appreciate what they do. Glory to God. Oh, Father, while we're praying, we also remember to pray for all who are in authority, our president, all of the leaders in Washington, D.C., and government, uh, all of our state and local government, Father, all men and every man, man or woman who serves in our nation or in our communities, Father, and, and leaders, we pray for them. Glory to God that wisdom would be given unto them, that direction would be given unto them, that your blessing would be upon them, Father. Help them to be good leaders. Help them to make right decisions. We do it and claim it all, Father, for the sake of the church and for the sake of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for it. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that today the entrance of your word will give light in our spirits. It'll bring understanding and illumination, Father, into our hearts. And we'll see more clearly the road that's ahead of us. And we'll see more clearly your plan and your provision, Father, for us to walk in victory every day. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 6. I was out last Sunday, but the two Sundays before that, I uh, taught on this subject that I want to continue on today. And so I want to pick up our foundational scriptures that we read uh, earlier this month, and uh, Hebrews chapter 6 is one of those. In Hebrews chapter, excuse me, did I say chapter 6? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Him, of course, being God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Notice it says, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, when the word impossible is used, that's, that's, that's a word that we call an absolute. There's not any way to misunderstand the word impossible. If, if something's impossible, that means it simply cannot happen. 
Isn't that right? And it says that without faith, it pleasing God cannot happen. You can't, it's, it's impossible for us to please God without faith. Well, that tells us that faith is very important. It's not the only important thing, but it's, it's very important because God can't be pleased without it. And then we turned a little bit further over and we looked at the book of James <clears throat> and talking about asking in prayer in particular, he said in verse six, but let him ask in faith, whatever you ask, let him ask in faith with no doubting. Faith and doubt are opposites. Faith and doubt are opposites. He said, let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts, or he who is not in faith, he, does not, he who does not ask in faith, is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from God. He said, don't even think about it. Don't even suppose. If you're not asking in faith, don't even. He said, do not let, for, no, for let not that man suppose. So you should not even allow yourself to consider that you might receive from something from God if you're not in faith. That's pretty, those two scriptures taken together pr- present a very strong picture. It does, doesn't it? Of the importance of faith, the absolute need of faith, and the fact that you cannot receive from God. I'm talking about in answers to your prayer. You cannot receive an answer to your prayer unless it's prayed in faith. And so we want to look at what it means to pray in faith. What, what does it mean to be in faith or to have faith? And, of course, we were looking at this passage last, uh, well, not last Sunday, but two Sundays ago, the last time I was here. That's in Mark chapter 11. So we want to look there again. You know, you can't understand faith without understanding Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and 24. Amen? Jesus answered in verse 2 and said, have faith in God. Now, that's not a suggestion. That's a commandment. Amen. Glory to God. That, that, have faith in God is just as much a commandment as it is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They're both statements. Jesus is not making a suggestion. He's telling us something we must do. Have faith in God. Now, we're going to come to verse 23 a little later, but I want to skip over it for now and drop down to verse 24. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Whatever things you ask when you pray tells me that when you pray, you don't have it. It's this, this is talking about, about things that you want. Of course, you have to know that 1 John 5 also says if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So we have to, we, the Bible instructs us to rightly divide the word of God. And that means to, to bring together all scriptures on a subject and put them together. Uh, because if you just read one passage or even two passages in isolation of what is said elsewhere in the Bible, you can get a wrong impression. So you have to understand that when he said, whatever things I say unto you, whatever things you ask, he's talking about things that you ask according to his will. Say, so, well, I don't know if it's according to his will. Then you better not ask. 
Don't ask unless you know it's according to his will. Well, how do I know if it's according to his will? It's right here. This is, this is his will. God's, real, God's will is not a mystery. God's, real, God's, excuse me, God's will is revealed to us in the Bible. And the Holy Spirit will take the Bible and show you how that applies in your life. And the will of God is not hard to know. But that's another, another topic. He said here, if we ask anything, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, that tells me that you don't have it because if you had it, you wouldn't be asking for it. It's something that you want that's consistent with the will of God, but you don't have it. He said, when you ask, believe that you receive it and you will have it. Now, the fact that he says you will have it, again, underscores the fact that you don't have it when you ask. So when you pray, he said, believe that you receive it. When you ask, believe that you receive those things that you've asked for. Now, this is where people get tripped up where faith is concerned. They want to believe they receive it. Uh, They want to, to wait until they have it, and then they'll believe they receive it. I've prayed for people and I've said, you know, did, uh, uh, did God heal you? And they checked and felt themselves and said, well, uh, I, I thought he did. I, I asked him to, but uh, I, don't, I don't feel any difference. No, I guess he didn't heal me. Well, see, they don't understand the principle of faith. Because you don't wait until you feel like you have it. You, when you pray, when you don't have it, while you don't have it, while you're in that state of not having it and you ask for it, That's when you pray. When you pray, not after it comes to pass, but when you pray, while you still don't have it, you believe you receive it. Jesus said, and you will have it. Now that the will having it, that's talking about having it in the natural. In other words, manifested over in the the realm where you can see it and feel it and experience it naturally. That's what he's talking about. But faith says, I believe I've received it. I believe I've received it, therefore I have it now by faith. See, when you pray, you believe you receive it right then, and you say, I believe I've received, therefore I have it by faith now. Now you will have it in manifestation. You will have it. It will come to pass in the natural realm where, where you can see it and feel it and experience it and, and other people can, can see it and so forth. But you have it, first of all, in your heart. Why? Because you've believed you've received it. Amen. Amen. Now let's go over to... Uh, let's go over to... Let's go to... Let's go back to Hebrews again. Glory to God. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11, verse 1. We looked at this before, but let's look at it again. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. The Lovitz translation, let me turn back over there. The Lovitz translation, which really is a, a paraphrase of this verse, says, like, it says it like this. What is faith, you ask? Well, it is an inner assurance that the things we hope for actually do exist. Now notice, 
and the conviction that they are already ours even though we cannot see them. And then in 2 Corinthians, it says that, that we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. Well, when it says we walk by faith and not by sight, it, it's, it's not just talking about visual perception. We, we think of sight as, as only referring to what we can see. But you know, there are things that you can hear that you can't see. You can hear a train coming before you see it. And, and it tells you the train's coming whether you see it or not. And you better act on what you hear. You don't say, well, I, I hear a train, but I don't see it yet, so I'm going to go ahead and, and step out on this railroad track. No, you hear it, that's a witness. There are things that you can, that you can see that you can't hear. There are things that you can smell that you can't see. You can smell smoke before you see it. You better check up if you do. You don't say, well, I smell smoke, but I don't see any, so I'm just going to go on about my business. No, what do you do? You start investigating and find out where's the smoke coming from. Where's the smell coming from? Because wherever the smell's coming from, there's smoke. And if there's smoke, there's fire. And that's what you're trying to find out. But you see, the smoke alerted you. So there are, there are five basic senses by which we communicate and experience this natural world. And without these five, these five senses, you wouldn't be able to, to contact or interact with anything around you. If you couldn't see, you couldn't hear, you couldn't smell, you couldn't uh, feel, you couldn't taste, you, you, you would be completely isolated from everything around. Remember uh, the, the uh, author, Helen Keller? You know, she was born normal, but then when she was just a baby, she developed some kind of disease and, and she went completely blind and completely deaf. And, and can you imagine what a handicap that, it, that is and was? And, and the remarkable thing, of course, is how she overcame that and how she actually learned to speak even though she never got her hearing back and never got her sight back. She learned to speak. She learned to read. And she would read. She would communicate with people. She could speak. But when she, for people to speak back with her, she would have to put her fingers on their lips. And she developed such a sensitivity in the, in the touch realm. She could, just by putting her fingers on someone's lips, she could understand what they were saying. That amazing, but you can see how how the sights are are how we interact with this natural world. So you could say it like this: We do not walk by faith, or we walk by faith and not by our five senses. We don't walk by our five senses; we walk by faith. We don't walk by what we see. We don't walk by what walk by what we feel, by what we hear. We walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Glory to God. Now, here in chapter 11, again, it says faith is the substance of things things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. Now, uh, there's another passage of Scripture. Before I, I, I go further into this, go on over to the next book, the book of James, and go to the second chapter, James chapter 2. Hallelujah. James chapter 2. Let's start in verse number 14. We'll read a few verses and then we'll come back. But what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith 
but does not have works. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to him or to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered uh, Isaac his son on the altar? Do you not see that faith was working together with his works and by faith or by works, faith was made perfect or complete? He said faith without works is dead. Now you have to understand what kind of works he's talking about. He's not talking about works uh, where a person tries to do things to make himself right with God. There's nothing a sinner can do to get right with God. There is there are no uh, there's there there are no uh, works or efforts or anything that that a person can undertake that will cause God to save him. Titus, in the book of Titus, it says, not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his grace he saved us. Isn't that right? Ephesians chapter two says, "For, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of works. Isn't that right? So we're not saved by works that we work to try to prove ourselves or to make God love us or to cause him to forgive us. He's made a decision to forgive us apart from our actions. And really, when you think of it on on that level, there, there aren't enough works you could do anyway. Even if, thank God he doesn't put it on work, on the basis of works, because there's not enough work you could do. Amen. So that's not talking about those kinds of works. It couldn't be because it's already told us that, that we're not saved by works. But here he says in verse 14, what does it profit, my brother, if someone says he has faith and does not have works, can faith save him? I like the Weymouth translation here. It says, but what does it profit, my brother? What good is it, my brethren? If someone says, I have faith, and yet his actions do not correspond. See, this is corresponding. These are actions that go with faith. These aren't actions that precede faith. These are actions that go with faith. There are some things you have to do once you believe. It's not works of, you don't have to do works of righteousness, but you have to put corresponding actions to what you believe. I've met people before that uh, have confessed and told me that they believed that Jesus was the son of God and they believed that he was raised from the dead and and so therefore they're saved, but yet there was no evidence in their life. They lived an ungodly life. 
There was, no, there, were, there was absolutely no evidence of any eternal life in them, any knowledge of God. They were just darkened. Well, somehow they haven't followed up their faith with corresponding actions. Amen. Uh, he uses this illustration. He says, you believe there's one God. Well, the, so does the devil. Demons believe that. But they're not saved. Isn't that right? Well, go over with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter, excuse me, chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Verse 8 says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice there are two parts to being saved. Number one, you believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. You believe that. Then number two, you confess him with your mouth. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, this is verse 10, Confession is made unto salvation. The Phillips translation says, and it is stating his belief by his own mouth that confirms his salvation. You know, whenever you give an invitation, uh, like when I give an invitation for people to be saved and someone uh, makes their way to the front. Now, you know good and well that they wouldn't be stepping out from their chair and making their way to their front, to the front, if they didn't believe Jesus was the Son of God. They wouldn't, go, they wouldn't be making their way down here if they didn't believe they needed a Savior, and that He was the Savior, and that salvation was available, and that He had been raised. If they don't believe He's been raised from the dead, they wouldn't come forward. But notice, it's not just believing that, it's also acting on that, putting corresponding actions with it. And the first corresponding action is, they open their mouth and say, I confess Jesus is Lord. And that's the thing that confirms their salvation. You remember when Jesus preached, and it said that there were uh, many who believed in him, and the Pharisees, they believed on him, but notice, they would not confess him for fear of being excommunicated. They believed on him, but they would not confess him for fear of the Jews. You think they were saved? No. See, believing is one thing, acting is something else, and the faith transaction is not complete until we act on what we believe. That's why I said last week, and I didn't have time, it was right at the end of my message, and I didn't have time to go through and, and explain it. I said this c concerning Mark eleven twenty four 24, that uh, whatever things you ask indicates that you don't have it. And then the last part of that verse says, and you shall receive it. That indicates you don't have it. But in the middle it says, when you pray, believe that you receive it. And I said, that tells me that we should not expect to immediately have the manifestation of our faith as soon as we believe we've received it. Because he said, after you believe you receive it, you will have it. And I said, that tells me we should not immediately expect 
that thing to happen. And I illustrated it like this. In other words, we don't just ask God for things. As Father, I ask you for and boom, just like you, I mean, just, I mean, just as quick as you can bat an eye, bat an eye there it is. That's not, what, that's not the way it works. Now, I had some pushback from that, not, not outwardly, but I saw it in people's expression. I, I see a lot when I'm up here. And there are folks that thought, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe that. No, wait a minute, I don't, I don't have that. I don't believe that. But what I'm talking about is you, there has to be an act of faith. What I'm talking about is you believe you receive it. That is faith, and faith is now working. Until you believe you've received it, faith is not doing anything. Now faith is working, but it's not complete until you take an act of faith. And that act of faith is always in, in defiance of circumstances. Now, ministering to people is a little different. When a minister is ministering to people, by the anointing, sometimes things will happen instantly. I've had it happen when I've prayed for people. I've put my hands on people before and prayed for their healing, and, and, I've, and I've had my eyes open. I've seen them go, just shocked almost. It, it's gone. It's gone. The pain's gone. It's gone. I, I, just a moment ago, it was hurt, and now it's gone. That's a little different when you're ministering here. I'm talking about whenever you as an individual are just making a prayer request to God. Whatever things you desire when you pray, remember? That's not talking about coming up in the healing line. This is talking about whenever you go and ask the Lord for something. He said, believe you receive it and you shall have it. That tells me that there is a... a uh, point of, of time or a passage of time between when you believe you receive it and when you have it. It's not immediate. You shouldn't think that every time you say, God, give me a hundred dollars that you, there it is just laying on the ground. Hallelujah. Say hallelujah all you want to, but it ain't going to happen. <laughs> Amen. There, there is always an act in Romans chapter four it says of Abraham that Abraham believed God and his faith was accounted unto him for righteousness. I've always liked the Barclays translation. It says, Abraham took God at his word. This is Romans 4, 4. Abraham, or maybe verse 3, Abraham took God at his word and this act of faith, this act of faith, caused him to be justified. Faith is an act. It's not just believing, it's also acting. And that's what I'm talking about is that as soon as you believe something, you believe you receive it, then you have it on the inside of you by faith and it's a reality. God has moved. God has moved. In the realm of the spirit, he has granted it. Jesus said this one time and this has always struck me. He said, Everyone who asks, of course, he's talking about asking in faith. You're not asking in faith. You're not going to receive because you can't please God. Don't even suppose you're going to. So you have to put those together. So when Jesus said this, he said in, in Matthew chapter 5, everyone who asks receives. It's Matthew 5, 6, 7, in the Sermon on the Mountain. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks I would put in parentheses, in faith, according to the Bible, 
everyone who asks receives. That tells me as soon as I ask for something in faith, God moves and I have it. But now it hasn't manifested in the natural. And and my point was you shouldn't expect it to just happen like popcorn popping out of a popper. It's not magic. It's not like waving a magic wand and saying abracadabra and poof, here it is. That's not the way it works. There will be a period of time, doesn't have to be a long time, and it depends on our faith, but there's a period of time after we believe we receive it, then it's still, there's no evidence of it, and we take an act of faith. Do you follow what I'm saying? Amen. I, I, was, I was reading Brother Hagan's story of his dramatic healing. Kenneth E. Hagan in, in 1934 uh, was dramatically healed. He had uh, incurable heart disease, incurable blood diseases, several of them. Uh, he had uh, paralysis, and uh, he, was, he had become bedfast, and he was on, flat on the bed, uh, para- paralyzed at different times, uh, even greater than this, but at the time he received his healing, some of his upper body had, had kind of recovered, but he was still paralyzed from his waist down. He had no feeling from his waist down. And he was struggling with Mark eleven twenty three, And he said, Lord Jesus, he said, you said in Mark eleven twenty three that whatever things I desire, I desire to be well. You said, when you pray, I've prayed. He said, Lord, you said, believe you receive. Lord, I believe I've received. And then you, you said, and you shall have it. He said, now I don't have it. And he said, I know I prayed. I know I believe. He said, Lord Jesus, he said, he said it in kindness. He was sincerity. Tears in his eyes. He said, Lord Jesus, if you stood here, if you appeared to me in the flesh and stood right beside my bed and said, the problem with you, Kenneth, is you don't believe. He said, I'd have to say, Lord Jesus, you're lying about it. I do believe. I know I believe. And he said, the Lord spoke to him right in here by the inward witness and said, yeah, you believe all right as far as you know. But he said the rest of that verse applies. And so he read it again. Believe you receive it and you shall have it. And then he said the light came on. He saw it. You believe you receive it and then you shall have it. He said, oh, I see where I missed missed it. I see it. I have to believe that I've received a healing for my paralysis, for my deformed heart, for my incurable blood disease. I have to believe I receive it while I'm still laying here paralyzed, while there's no evidence of me being healed, while my heart's still not beating right and the blood's not right and, I'm, and I, can't, I don't have any feeling. He said, even while I'm in that condition, while I pray, that's when I have to believe. And so he said, oh, I got it now. I got it. He said, Lord Jesus, I believe right now that I receive healing for my my paralysis, for my deformed heart, for my uh, blood diseases. I believe I receive total healing now in Jesus' name. And he said he had never had had any example of anybody lifting their hands before. He had had only gone to a, a Methodist church and a Baptist church and the ones that he went to back then, he said he never saw anybody lifting their hands or praising God out loud. He'd never seen it. 
He said just something. He was just, he was just uh, supernaturally led, just something on the inside. And he said he put his hands up, laying on the bed. Oh, I thank you, Lord, that you've healed me. I have my healing. Thank you for healing me of my paralysis. Thank you for healing me of my blood diseases and, and all of this. He said, I thank you for healing my heart. Thank you, I'm healed, I'm healed. Thank you for it. He said this went on about 10 minutes. Now, nothing had changed in his body. His body's still just as as lifeless as it was, no feeling below his waist. And he said, he's just thanking the Lord, thanking the Lord. And he said, the devil then started talking to him. He said, now you're a, you're, he said, this is the way Brother Hagin explained. He said, a pretty thing you are laying up here in bed and here you've gone to lying. And he said, I'm not lying. He said, yes, you are. You're lying. You're saying you're healed and you can see you're not healed. He said, fill of your heart. You can tell it's not beating, right? And Brother Hagin said, he was so accompanied accustomed to feeling of his heart after he prayed that he started to put his hand and he realized what he's doing. He slapped his hand out. He said, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not feeling my heart. Devil said, you're a liar. And he said, I'm not. He said, I believe what Jesus said. He said, besides that, Jesus said it. I didn't say it. If you want to go argue with somebody, go argue with him because I believe what Jesus said. And, uh, so he went on, you know, after that, he, he just lifted his hand, start praising the Lord again about 10 more minutes. So now 20 minutes has gone by. And he hasn't any better. There's no, there's no evidence. He believed he received. His faith was working. His faith was working. But there was something else he had to do. There was something else he had to do. Even though he had believed he received and he, he knew he had it, but he didn't have any physical evidence that he had it. Nothing has changed in his body. He, there was something else he needed to do. He didn't know what it was. He's just laying there in bed for 20 minutes now. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for healing me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And he said, the Holy Spirit spoke up, spoke up on the inside and said, you, believed you're, you believe you're healed, do you? He said, healed people don't need to be in bed at 10 o'clock in the morning. They need to be up. He said, that's right. Well, he couldn't get up. So he said he reached, he, he kind of twisted himself up and kind of rolled up and kind of pulled himself up in bed. He had, you know, a, a strength in his upper body, kind of pulled himself up to a seated position. He grabbed those two legs one at a time and, and lifted them up and threw them over on the floor. He said he knew his feet were on the floor because he could hear them when they hit the floor. But he had no feet. He said they hit the floor like a couple of chunks of wood. He said he knew they were down there because he could see them, but he couldn't feel anything. So he wrapped his arm around the, the tall bedpost there and pulled himself up. Now the devil start, started talking to him again said, now you do this, you know you can't walk. Don't try to walk because you know you can't walk. You're going to fall flat in the floor. And remember the last time you did this, you fell out of bed and you had to wait until such and such a time until somebody came home and got, and got you up. Your brother had to get you up. He said, your brother's out of town. Your father's working somewhere else. You know, but your mom and your grandmother, they're not able to get you up. You're going to have to lay here until 5.30 in the afternoon somebody comes and picks you up. He said he just ignored him. He wrapped his arms around that post and pulled himself up. He said his knees wouldn't support him. They just, they just folded. They just folded on him. So he's just kind of like this holding on to the bed. He was determined. Jesus said, get up. If you're healed, healed people, get out of bed. What's he doing? He's acting on his faith. And James said, Faith with corresponding actions are made perfect. Corresponding actions causes faith. It's legitimate faith, but it has to be acted on. His faith was, as soon as he saw it, 
I know what I have to do. I have to believe that I receive before I get it. Once he saw that and said, I believe I receive, now his faith is working, but it needed to be perfected. That's what I'm talking about. That's, that's that time that I'm talking about where you have to take an act of faith. Sometimes it can come quickly, very quickly, but there has to be an act of faith. I've never received a healing personally that I've gone to the Lord in prayer or anything else, as far as that goes, that I didn't have to take an act. I had to do something. Now, my act of faith might not be your act of faith. That's where we get it mixed up sometimes. We hear somebody say, well, you know, I believed God to heal me for, from, from uh, uh, bad eyes. And so I was led to take my glasses off and I took my glasses off and went on my way. And then I was seeing, I, I, everything was perfect. And then other people, they think, well, that's what I'll do. I'll take my glasses off and they start running into things. Please don't get out on the road. Or, or at least let me know when you're going to get on the road. Amen. No, everybody has a different act of faith. And the Holy Spirit will lead you. But Brother Hagin said he hung on to that thing. He said then the room started spinning around. Just everything because he hadn't been. He'd been on this flat of his back for 16 months. The whole room. And he said he just closed his eyes. He was getting so dizzy. Things were spinning around. And then he could tell after a while. He could tell that everything had stopped spinning. So it opened his eyes. The room had stopped spinning. And uh, he said, suddenly, he said it felt like something warm being poured over his head, just flowed down his body, just, just this warmth. It was God's healing power came through him. said it went down through his body, and when it got down to his waist, it started activating all those nerve endings all the way down to his feet. He said it felt like a million pins sticking him. He said it hurt so bad, but it felt so good to feel anything. And uh, he said that lasted for a few minutes, and then when it went away, it, he just felt normal. So he just carefully got up and took a few steps and grabbed hold of the furniture and walked around the room. He walked around the room that day. And uh, he didn't tell anybody. He went back to bed and did it again the next morning. Got up, walked around the room. Then that night, he told his mom, he said, get my clothes. He hadn't told her what had, what had happened. He hadn't told anybody he was walking around the room. He said, get my clothes to get together and get them out ready for me because in the morning I'm going to get dressed and come down and eat. She thought he was crazy, but she got his clothes ready, you know. So the next morning he got up and got himself cleaned up, you know, took a bath, got dressed, went down to eat breakfast, walking. He said, I've been walking ever since. Amen. Well, see, what am I talking about? There was, there was a point after he believed and he then had to act on that. He had to take an act of faith. And that's faith, what does it say here? Let's, let's go back to James. Let's read it, read it one more time. We'll be dismissed. James chapter 2. Faith, verse 17, by itself, if it does not have corresponding actions, is dead. Verse 22, do you not see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, by corresponding actions, Faith was made perfect. Faith will never be made perfect unless you act on it. Unless you act on it. It'll not be perfect. You think about it. When you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, when you believed on him, when someone witnessed to, to you, or maybe you were a small child and you were raised up in church, and when it suddenly dawned on you, and you really realized that you were lost, 
and that you had sinned and that you needed a Savior and you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you had to act on that. You had to actually receive him. It wasn't enough to believe. You had to purposely receive him and, and take him as the Lord of your life. Well, it's the same in every arena of faith. Faith works the same across the board. Whether you're believing for salvation, whether you're believing to be filled with the Spirit, whether you're believing for a healing or a financial need to be met, it always works the same way. You believe in your heart and then you act on that. Glory to God. Is that good? Praise the Lord. These are wonderful days. Glory to God that we're living in days of faith. Days of men and women like us of great faith who will make, uh, who will do exploits in the name of the Lord, knowing how faith works. Glory to God. And the boldness to act on it. Let's stand up. Glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.